Welcome to New Day. It's a new day. We're starting over. This is a series that will take us through some spiritual awakening, some things that maybe maybe get lost in the shuffle of life. We get busy, things pile up, and then we're kind of dull, and it just doesn't even come to mind in many ways. So we're going to take a, a trip back through those things with New Day. Uh, today, because of the cross, so this is such an important matter that uh, we want to take a little time and, and look again at what Jesus has done and what that means for us. So the cross, you're familiar, you know what that that is, what it looks like, you've seen the movies, we have one standing you kind of get an idea that, that this played an important part or it wouldn't be a symbol that shows up everywhere in the Christian world. Well, there's something that needs to be just so alive in us because of the cross that we need to take a little time and, and kind of review that, kind of go back, go see you know, what, what it is that, that the cross is all about. So we're going to... We're going to take some a little time for that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to know your son, to come into contact with him, to know life because he provides it, to know that he is giving us something that is so precious, he was willing to give his own life for it. And we get to be the beneficiaries, and we thank you. And thank you for this morning that we even get to look back and think about what was done and what has resulted because of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. So stay tuned for the future, uh, because it's promising. The future is promising. We are looking at something so absolutely incredible, and, and it takes what we know, but it pushes it beyond our living experience today. The future is unfolding as, as we live each day, but the future that's waiting for us when we go into eternity, we look beyond uh, all that we can see. When we pass through the gates and we enter into the heavenlies, there's a whole new thing going to unfold there. So we are gonna, we're going to uh, get ready for that because of what Jesus has done, because of what he's done on the cross. He made it possible. He's, he is the door. He says he's, he's the way, the truth, the life. He's the one who's going to open this up for us. And he does it on the cross. So he's going to do something so amazing. And then that opens the door so that we walk into this life where we're going to interact with people who have been alive on this planet, from the earliest of times, we're going to meet with people who we've only read about through history, maybe in the Bible, and there they are. We're going to have our experience, our, our, all of our senses heightened so that our experiences of heaven will be more than what we have experiences, uh, experienced here. The light that we see will be more. We don't see all of the spectrum of light with the eyes that we have in the physical world. And when we are moved into the spiritual, that will just amp up and take off. What we know 
and what we experience now in terms of what we hear, the sounds, the notes, it, it, just, it just jumps. If you've ever changed from a, a single AM radio, for those who remember those, and, and a single speaker and the scratchy sound, and maybe it was on your car, maybe you carried it around as a transistor, and that was, that was just, isn't this cool, I can hear music. And then you go to somebody's house, and they've got a reel-to-reel, big fancy speakers and the whole setup, and you listen to the same song, and you go, where did all those notes come from? Where did those instruments, where, where was that on my little, yeah. So we move into the heavenlies, and our ears will be tuned to the sounds of heaven that are far beyond what we experience now and what we experience here. The ability to relate to people is going to be heightened because we, we will no longer have mixed motives and paranoia and all the junk that enters into everything that's part of our existence when we're meeting people and trying to connect and trying to build some kind of meaningful uh, life and if you've ever just met with people been in a group been just been around and you're the one who isn't listened to who isn't heard i mean maybe they listen to your noise but they don't hear you they don't hear they don't see you you if you felt that then you know what it means to be left out set aside misused abused passed over and that doesn't happen in heaven because there's one who values you, who sees you, who has heard you, who knows your heart, may know some things that need to be fixed, still loves you, and is looking out for you. In heaven, you connect. There's some things coming that are on the horizon because of what Jesus has done. So stay tuned. Just the future that is ahead for you is promising. Now let's go look at, at something that's radical. This is this new life thing. The cross has happened, and this is going to take us back to the earliest days in the church when it first formed up. So Jesus has died on the cross. He's resurrected. He's ascended into heaven. He said, don't go anywhere. He's talking to the people his followers in Jerusalem stick around because the Holy Spirit's going to come. The Holy Spirit comes. That's Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes on them. Now the church is forming. New people have come into this group. So it's no longer just a Jewish group, a home, homegrown Jewish group. Now it's gathered in people from, farther, from lands farther away who are connected with the Jewish, either as proselytes or they are Jewish people who have come back to worship in Jerusalem. So now we're picking that up. That's where we are in chapter 7 of Acts. And we're going to talk about Stephen. Stephen is a Greek name, so he probably has that kind of background. They've asked him to, to work with some Hellenistic widows, which is, that's a group of Greek-speaking, Greek background women that have joined the church. So he is part of a team that's going to work with them. So he's got probably better understanding of the Hellenistic culture, the way they do things, the foods, and better at the Greek language. So, so we've got a, a little bit of a mix there. So he's 
probably come from outside of Jerusalem. He's, he's probably not native to Israel. He's come to worship, and now he stayed and joined the church because Jesus has come into his life. It's a radical change. When these people came, they came to worship. They came to revere the place, the city of Jerusalem, the temple in Jerusalem, the sacrifices in Jerusalem, the priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the whole thing that's unfolding. They travel. They spend big money to be there, and they are there for a huge length of time, which means they have to have enough in their pockets to keep living there and eating and paying the freight and go home. He's there, so he's, he's come from somewhere out in the Greek world, comes to Jerusalem, he comes to know Christ. It's a, such a change. Instead of the sense of revering this system, you're gonna, we're going to go through this, but I, I want you to picture this. If you were to go to Washington, D.C., and just take on the president, I mean, you just... You just Go up. You're from Oklahoma, and you go to Washington, D.C., and then you're just going to straighten him out on how things ought to be and accuse him of murder. How's that work? How gutsy do you have to be? Now, the crazy people have done things like that. Now, that's crazy. But how do you do that when it's real and it's true and you've come to worship? And you've come to be part of this and to highly exalt not only God, but the system and the people who are in the system. And now you're going to take it on. What makes you do that? Church has only been here a short amount of time. This guy's only known Jesus a little time. He's not 30, 40, 50 years into this. The rest of the books in the Bible are written along those time, by that time. We're talking early on. What comes over a person so radically that they understand truths out of biblical history, they understand what the scriptures are talking about without ever going to college or seminary. There are no written New Testament books, nothing. None of those exist, none of that, and yet look what he does. This is from Acts chapter 7. He goes back in history and he says, David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for the, for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that, asked the Lord? Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? And you may have read those words before, but this is a young guy from outside who shows up without an extensive education, like he's not a Pharisee, Sadducee, one of those trained that, that are there at the temple. And yet he is able to take David, speak about David. That would have been taught, I mean, just in the synagogues. He would have, would have had that. He found favor with God. Yep, we, we all recognize that. We know that. He wanted to build a temple. Yeah, that didn't work out. Solomon's the one who did it. Yep, they all, everybody knew that. Then he says, however, 
Remember, he's talking to the guys who are guarding the gates at the temple. They are so taken with this thing. They protect it at every level. They protect everything that goes on there. They protect the way that it's done. They protect the, the money that's coming in. That's why money changes were in the temple. They're, they're controlling this thing because it's their deal. Do you go and slap the guy in the face who, who's guarding the most important thing in your whole religion? The Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. You see the problem? He just smacked them. As the prophet says, heaven's my throne. And he's going, wait, he just pulled scripture on us. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Could you build a temple as good as that? Well, they thought they, they pretty much had. Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? Which is true, and we recognize that. But we don't have a temple, and we don't feel strongly about such a thing, but they did. So for him to say those things is risky. It is huge. He's just a guy taking on the entire structure of the religion of Israel at that time. And he doesn't stop. He just, he's just rolling it out. You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Now, that kind of con- conversation goes over well. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. They've got the law that says don't murder people. They set up trials and a way to murder Jesus. And they pay one of his guys, so they have an inside track. They get Judas involved in this thing, and then they have him killed. So now he's accusing them of murder, and they know that they did. They know that they were behind all of this. And he's holding up the scriptures and saying, "Here, this is what the prophets say about the temple, and this is what you've done in violation of the law, and these are the big dogs for the temple and the law. What makes an individual who's new to this? There is no New Testament. There is no book. There is no church structure. All the church in the world that exists at this time is right there in town. Now, I don't know where they were when Stephen got grabbed, but there's like a million and a half people at these celebrations. So it could have been during one of those, and so it's crowded. But these guys have surrounded him like a pack of dogs, and they are on him. And he, by himself, is calling these guys to account for what they have done, holding up the light to them. What? happened what happens in an individual that can change them from just being complacent compliant coming into this place and worshiping accepting what is unfolding from from these leaders and buying that this is the temple this is the main thing to switching that whole thing around to 
nope, the God of heaven doesn't need one of these. And you murdered his son. And we got some things to talk about. And he's holding him accountable. Something radically happened to him. It's a new day. The result is, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. Well, yeah. That makes sense. They shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then... They put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats, laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. How changed do you have to be to go to your death asking God to forgive those who are killing you? Jesus did it. Stephen has met Jesus. He's experienced new life in Christ. And now he's done it. Now, it's one thing to talk about, oh, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm new in Christ, and I could do that. It's different when you're getting pelted with rocks to do that. Knowing that God Almighty is greater than all of these systems, greater than all that has come before, because Stephen knew there was much ahead. He's looking at what God had done, what he has done in him, and changing him, transforming him. He's new in Christ, and he's looking at the future and he knows there's so much more. So he knows the future is promising. And as a result, he has God to forgive them of that sin in that moment. That's just amazing that this has happened. He's transformed. He's transformed. He's new in Christ. And according to Acts 6, 8, when he's chosen for this role that he has... It gave this, this bit of information. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. I want to read that again just a second. When you read the bio, I want you to do this. Just read the bio on uh, information about spiritual uh, speakers at, at Christian conferences, maybe pastors of a church, just pull up one randomly. Just go to the Internet, pull up a church, and read the little blurb. Some of them are not little. Some are lengthy. But read the little tidbit that will be there about the pastor or about a Christian speaker. And I will guarantee you 100% none of them will include the information that I've just read to you about Stephen who isn't even an ordained pastor. He's not a Christian speaker. He's a guy helping out, trying to feed some people. 
And he's walking around sharing Jesus because he has been transformed. He is new in Christ. And he's doing something remarkable because that's what Jesus does when he gets hold of us. That's what he wants to do in us. And that's what he did in Stephen. And when you read those other bios, just read those other bios. And they will give you, this is where he went to college, maybe where he came to Christ. That's always a good spiritual indication. I love it. At least put that in there. Where they go to seminary, if that's part of this. If they're really famous, how many times they've been on the New York bestsellers list, how many books they've sold, how many uh, countries they've spoken in as they've traveled around the world. It's an interesting list, which has absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing to do with the God of heaven who has transformed an individual and changed them into a new person in Christ. Great, all of those things may matter at some point, but you're going to introduce somebody with that information. We don't even know Stephen's level of education. We don't know his socioeconomic level. We don't have any of that. What we have is a man full of God's grace and power performed amazing miracles. Taken on the history. Will you read? As he puts it all together, this man without an educational background that we've been given puts that all together, taking on the intellectual, the spiritual elite of Israel and reads them the riot act and accuses them of murder. And then Jesus is revealed to him in heaven standing next to the Father. Doesn't that matter? That's a change. That's transformation. God is real and God is at work and he was in his life. He's new to this. He's not one of the apostles. He's not walked with Jesus for three years. He is new to this. And look what happened to him. Look what happens to him. And on his final breath, he says, forgive them for killing me. Just That's a change because he's full of the Holy Spirit. Man full of God's grace and power performed amazing miracles and signs among the people because Jesus came into his life and changed him. He's transformed. He's not the same. He's not the same kind of human being that walks this planet. He is definitely not, not like many of the ministers who walk around on this planet. That's just a, that's a bunch of crap. We just need to stop it. Whatever, wherever that's going on, and it's thick everywhere, it needs to stop like 100 years ago. And we need to go walk with Jesus. We need to have his power. We need to listen to him. We need to experience the fullness of his grace and his power. And amazingly, we'd see miracles and signs because that's what he does. The crux of all of this 
And crux is a nice, you know, shortened crucifixion word, cross word, crossroads, cross. We come up with all kinds of words that, that kind of tie into this. But this, this is historic. I mean, this is the time God is going to send someone to help humanity because he wanted people to be in his family. So he says, I'm going to send somebody. He does. He comes. That's Jesus. And we're looking back 2,000 years. He came. So now we're post that time, but we're looking back at what did he do when he came? What difference did that make? How does that affect me? If, if this is a new day, how does that affect me as a follower of Christ? How does, what difference does that make? But we need to look at what, what did he do? And there's we're going to lightly cover a few of them. Substitutionary death of Christ. Romans 5, 6. Romans 5, 6 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. He came at just the right time. In the whole history of the world, he came at the time that he needed to come to meet the demands that were happening in the spiritual world and in the earthly world, he showed up exactly when all of this needed to take place to change, to change everything. The substitutionary death of Christ is among Christians, uh, Christian churches, uh, debated. Did he actually do that? Did he need to do that? Did, did Jesus, you know, this whole idea of being a substitute for us and then we get the benefit of that, that's just crazy talk among many. But it's right there in Scripture. So as Stephen would say, it's right here in Scripture. The prophets say, the Scriptures say, this is it. Christ died for us sinners. So he's made a difference. He substituted for us. He's changed. And we may not understand all the ins and outs of what he accomplished, and, and we may not be paying attention when we're reading through the scriptures and God is giving us hints on that. That doesn't mean he didn't do it or that it, we don't benefit from it. And maybe we need to do more work in understanding it, but he did it. He did it. He paid the price. So we got, we've, we've done that. The satisfactory sacrifice of Christ from 1 Peter 3.18. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. He never sinned. He died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. And he suffered and died one time. There's another tendency beyond just denying the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ is the idea that, well, we need to add to that. His sacrifice wasn't enough, so I need to do certain things to to help that along. And and I participate in this sacrifice, and and I help him accomplish this in the world, or I help God accept us, or help God accept me. And that's not what this says. It says one time. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews will say that as well. One time. He came, he did it. Done. Changed everything. It's a new day. He never sinned. He just went and took care of it so that we could go home to God, so we can be part of the family, so that we can be brought into this new life, this new thing, this new existence in this life and the next. He's invited us to be part of all of that. The supremacy of Christ, Revelation twelve eleven. 
And remember, I just spoke of it. There, he, when he came to the cross, he dealt with the spiritual entities, the evil ones who have influenced this world and drug it down and are opposed to God. And he came, died on the cross. Colossians says they were watching as he's on the cross because they are cheering, thinking we've gotten rid of the Son of God finally. And he dies, and then bummer, he gets back up. And they are like thinking we've won this thing. The angels in heaven are going, what is going on? Because nobody's told them the whole story yet. God kept this under wraps. So then this thing just takes off, and there's cheering, and God has changed it all. But we have something that happens. The blood of Christ, instead of getting rid of him as the, the satanic, demonic entities had hoped, doesn't do that at all. It buys our freedom. It changes everything. The blood of Christ elevates him. It sets us up for a whole new life. And that's what we have in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. They, they have defeated him. The people who are walking with Christ have defeated him, the enemy, the devil, the demonic entities, by the blood of the Lamb. It's because of his sacrifice. Once for all, the just for the unjust, he's died He's paid the penalty for sin, and he's brought us into a new life. And those entities now have no power over his people. As as we draw near to him, we have the blood of the lamb to help us in defeating those entities. What, what, What if we don't lean on the blood of the lamb? Good luck. It's the blood of the lamb that has the power. It's the lamb who has the authority, all authority in heaven and earth. All his, all belong to him. When we belong to him, we lean on him, we go with him, we live his way, yeah, they're defeated. Supremacy of Christ, Revelation twelve eleven. New day because of the cross. New day because of the cross. This is Paul's words in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's huge. The old self, crucified. That means dead, gone, no longer alive, no longer influencing, no longer playing a part. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me transformation alive in christ changed transformed not thinking the same way not responding the same way not seeing life in the same way new perspectives new priorities change so i live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me the cross so the cross is key the cross is key Are you experiencing the crucified life? Are you experiencing the crucified life? Jesus died on the cross so you could live life extravagantly. Extravagantly. Now, don't confuse that with the worldly idea of wealth. Because immediately our fleshly nature goes extravagant. Oh, that means I get stuff. No, this is about life, real living, 
provided by Christ who died once for all for, and died for you. So you get to be alive in Christ, to live life now in this world and in the world to come. You get to be whole. The idea of shalom, peace, is an idea of, of completeness. Not just the absence of struggle and difficulties or wars or fighting. It's the wholeness. Body, mind, spirit, relationships, all of it coming together. He brings that. He is the prince of peace. Shalom. Where do you get that? You get it with him. When do you get it? When you come to him. When you're made new in him. But I am just torn up inside. I can't step my mind. I can't sleep at night. Stuff's just rattling around in there. Come to the prince of peace. Who gives you shalom. Because you're transformed in Christ. Who died on the cross once for all. To make it possible for you to be home with God. To experience the wonder of being in the presence of the Holy One. Instead of living below, struggling with the demonic and the dark and everything else that comes from this world, he says, come, live extravagantly. There's hope. The future is out there. Not only tomorrow, if you're still breathing and alive in this world, but beyond this world, so much more. And he's opening the doors for that. And we get a peek because he gives us some pictures of that in Scripture, and he gives us an idea that there, that, of what still is waiting for us. We are loved by God Almighty, who loved us so much he sent his son to die for us on the cross. Who sends his son to die like that? And yet he did, because he thinks that much of you. You're valued. He's listening to you. He really listens to you. He's not just nodding and, and looking over the paper or his iPhone and kind of, yeah, yeah, I'm listening. No, he hears you. What is on your heart, how you are feeling and what you're going through because you are valuable to him. You are seen, you are heard. It is a new day. It is a new day in Christ. So I ask, are you experiencing the crucified life? If you are, you're going to see the differences Stephen saw. You're going to see it in your daily life. You're going to see it in the way you treat others. You're going to see it in understanding the scriptures. You're going to understand it in seeing the value of God's place above all else. If you aren't, experiencing the crucified life you'll know what it's like to live in this world and to be downtrodden undervalued unloved betrayed to struggle to lash out to be angry to harbor resentment to find this world so disturbing that you can hardly get to sleep at night or get up in the morning so are you experiencing the crucified life. And if you aren't, maybe this is a time to say, you know what, I need to come into this. I know Jesus, but I am not experiencing that life. Because it may be, like Paul says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. Maybe there's some old stuff 
yet to be crucified. Let go. Let it die. Get away from it. Push it aside. Don't dig it up. Leave it buried. It's been crucified. Let him bring life. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that's how I live this earthly life, by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And we come to him and let him live. Learn more about him. Well, I need to read through the New Testament again. Stephen didn't have a New Testament. Just saying. Don't use that as an excuse. Besides, you have a million copies of it, and you got a phone that you can download an app. So you got no excuse on that one. It's available if you want to read it. But you don't even have to read it. What I've told you right here, right now, is sufficient. It will change your life. Because he will change your life. That's what he does. Invite him to do that. Own it. If there's something that comes to mind and says, I need to let that go, I need to kill that in my life. Not somebody else. Don't blame anybody. If you're blaming, that's an indication you have some crucifying in yourself that needs to be done. Because it's still alive. Let it go. Come to him. Ask him to give you that life. That life that Stephen came across. Be a man or a woman full of God's grace and power. Let him do his work in you. Let's pray, and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Father, thank you for allowing us some time to look again at the cross and what you've accomplished. It is so amazing that you loved us enough to even go through that and that you saw that as a strategy to win, to defeat the enemy, the invisible enemies, and to win us into the family of God. Thank you for that. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for loving us now. Thank you for what the future holds. Thank you that we get to be part of the family now and forever. And we pray that you would be guiding us in our thoughts and as we remember you in this time around your table. In Jesus' name, amen. You're going to get a cup like this momentarily. has uh, fruit of the vine on one end and unleavened bread on the other. It's very handy, COVID-friendly. You get to get to celebrate this together. This meal instituted by the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed is a way of remembering him, of coming into this, this time and th- with a frame of reference, of changing from what was... Passover and important for uh, the the Jewish people as God rescued them from slavery and now it's rescuing us from the life that was because Jesus is sacrificed on the cross and now we get to come into this place a new place where his sacrifice what he has done with his blood with his body was for our benefit for our lives to enter into something now as we're living on the planet and forever as he opens up heaven's doors for all of us. So we get to celebrate that together along with all of those who have done so since that night 2,000 years ago. And if you have 
your uh, little cup and you find that top part, peel it off the, the uh, juice. Let's do that one first. And the juice is the part that, that, that's the blood that shed, that brings to mind the blood shed on the cross. So the blood is what, the life was in the blood, according to Leviticus, and it's the blood that gets rid of the sin, that covers the sin. So we're having, we're sharing that together and recognizing the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So take and drink. Lord, thank you for the blood shed on the cross, for the hope that we have in you because of what you've done and because that you made that even possible. Thank you for, uh, for all the help that you've given us through the years, Lord, to overcome the darkness, the difficulties with our own uh, stubbornness with sin, trying to hold on to things. And I pray, Lord, that even now we'd recognize the victory that we have in you, that you are uh, supreme over all things and that you loved us so much you gave your body and your blood on our behalf. Thank you. Amen. On the other end, you'll find the unleavened bread. And that bread was first initiated during the Passover when they had to quickly put something together and didn't have time for bread to rise. They just had to get something to eat, pack it up, hit the road, and leave Egypt so that's, that's an early on thing. But he reinvents that at this meal and says, this bread is now going to represent my body, my body broken for you. And this bread is the unleavened change to life and change of life here, his body suffering on our, on our behalf. And I want you to think in terms of he is crucified for you and that you have been crucified with Christ. Your body, his body, the body of Christ together. Take and eat. We are blessed, Lord. We are blessed to be part of your body, the extended body of Christ, the body of believers, those in heaven and those here, and those yet to come. Thank you for allowing us to be part of that, to share, and to share in this meal together, remembering you and all that you've done. And to you, Lord, we give the honor and the glory, because there is no other who's even worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.
God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. And happy birthday, all you birthday people. 
Ray showed up, so he even gets a little birthday thing happening. 